Before this week's new episode, we wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast we highly recommend. Our friend Pam Uzel runs the Art Heals All Wounds podcast. Pam and her guests look at so many wonderful stories of how art can change the world for the better and the journeys that led to that change. Of course, there's a good chance there's a crossover with tech every now and then. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of this episode to hear Pam's trailer for her wonderful show. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Crosswires. It's James here. And this week, we're going to be talking about a subject that maybe doesn't come up often enough in tech or on podcasts. We're going to be talking about how older people can benefit from and how they might struggle with technology and why technology can be both a blessing and a curse uh, to elderly people. My guest this week is someone who knows a lot about how you're looking after older people, their needs, and what makes maybe technology more important and more, shall we say, a more complicated proposition for the older, the older person. Please welcome Nancy from the Elder Care Success Podcast. Hello there. Thank you so much for having me as a guest, James. It's a pleasure to be here with you and all of your guests. My absolute pleasure. And thank you so much. And this is, again, I say this so many times on the show. This is an example of where the podcast community is so awesome because we met through IndiePod Summit, literally on, what was it, pod, effectively podcast speed dating. <laughs> Who knew that we could do this across the pond? <laughs> it's fantastic. I love the technology. And of course, as always, a shout out to Squadcast for making the recording possible because we literally wouldn't be able to do this without them. So thank you very much, Squad uh, Squadcast. So Nancy, before we get into today's topic, would you like to tell the lovely listeners a little bit more about yourself, maybe your background and how you got into doing an elder care podcast? Sure. Um, I had another podcast called Boardroom's Best, which I don't record on anymore, but I have a background in working with corporate governance, public company CEOs, boards of directors, and have been in, in the corporate world and then on my own as an entrepreneur and business owner for 30 odd years. My dad was an entrepreneur as well in, in the manufacturing space, but as time passed, my parents always talked to me about what would happen as they age and would I be capable to take over their finances and watch things and, and manage and make sure that they were fine. And we had these conversations over the course of our lives. But when push came to shove and reality happened, there were some signs that I was a little concerned about in decisions that they were making, smart, talented people but, you know, statistics say that after the age of 65, we become more trusting. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to happen to me, too. So we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll be the crotchety old lady who says, like hell. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, there are some decisions that, that were not necessarily what I considered good. They had a bad financial advisor who my dad loved as a friend. And I said, Dad, you know, he's not your friend. He's... He's a vendor, uh, you know, he's, he's a service provider. There's a difference between that. And there was financial abuse that was going on by the financial advisor. There was some medical challenges that my mom was going through. And, you know, life got more complicated. So I stepped in as, as their POA, official POA, and started to 
really, you know, put, put my feet to the, to the ground and ask serious questions because now I was the official fiduciary. And I was concerned about my parents coming close to the end of their life and becoming destitute, especially after working so hard to create a life for themselves and my sister and myself as we were kids. They had gone into a care facility and that cost ended up um, escalating to $30,000 a month here in the States. Not, I had to say it, not unusual because most people think that it's it's a lot lower than that. It's fine if you're getting nothing but three meals a day in, in a room. But quite frankly, you can do that for a lot less and still get a lovely place to live. But um, with that, I started adding up the numbers and uh, got rid of the financial advisor, uh, brought in my financial advisor. And but my I told my dad, look at, you know, $30,000 a month, you know, you're SOL, you're going to be out of money in the X number of years. What do you want to do? And dad panicked and said, let's leave this place now. Can't do that. So, you know, long story short, we found a new place, ended up moving them several times, buying a new house, and uh, hired my own aides, six aides that I ran like a small business. So I called it Mom and Dad Inc. But we did a, uh, what do you call it, a, a right sizing or rescaling and uh, rebuilding of Mom and Dad Inc. so that they would not become financially destitute and they were getting good quality care. in savings later, and it took us, me and my financial advisor, and firing the attorney and hiring new attorneys, um, it really took on on right-sizing, I'll I'll call it, or or rewriting their financial strength almost three years of unraveling mess. There were days that I was on the phone with the the financial team, sometimes twice a day in the beginning, and it uh, it was hard. But that said, you know, if I didn't understand business myself and know how to do it, it would be more difficult. And I took the emotion out of it as much as possible. But my joke is that I was, uh, you know, mad as hell I wasn't going to take it anymore for myself or my parents. And people started to ask, you know, what are you doing, Nancy? Like, how are you doing? You're, you're in Connecticut and they're in Florida and things are starting to turn around for them. Like, what, what's your secret sauce? And part of it is being, um, diligent. The other part is constantly asking questions. The third part is not being 65 and not trusting anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not everybody, but you know, there's, you know, there's, there's got to be some level of trust, but the old trust, but ver- trust and verify is, and my background in research also, you know, drove me down. I, you have to be a good researcher to work with public company boards. So I figured, well, why, let's see what happens and made a couple of twists and turns and, started a podcast called Elder Care Success, which is now in the top 5% of most favorite shows worldwide. But So I'm pretty pleased with that one. That's awesome. And it's such a great way to to help others because, you know, and I think it is one of the things I love about podcasts. There is, there is now literally a podcast for almost everything. It's like that old joke, oh, there's an app for that. Well, now there's a podcast There's a for podcast that. for that. Yeah, And some are really good and some are boring as hell <laughs> oh you've listened to our show then <laughs> no 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 no. i try to make ours entertaining as well because caregiving can be kind of a, a depressing if you're going through it and it's hard it really but, is um you know I've, I've gone through a lot of things in fact i just recorded a short on like what happens when you're in one of those you know pissy crappy moods <laughs> 
it impacts everybody. Here's how to get out of it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Look, you know, my my mum and my my uncle are going through a load of stuff. They're dealing with, you know, my as I've said many times, many people know we lost my granddad back in September of last year. And, you know, they're now dealing with the house sale because Nana is in a dementia care home. So we have to sell the house to mm-hmm. afford her care. Uh, thankfully, her care bill is, is not that much. Um, I, well, I you're don't... in a whole different healthcare system, oh, too, gosh, yeah, versus yeah. the states. The, the, the majority of care homes, if somebody's going into a, a care home, are... Um, are not medical facilities and they're private pay. And people don't understand that they're not a medical facility. The only thing that's a medical facility is a nursing home or a rehab, and they have to be classified. And those ones are actually overseen by laws and regulations by each state. But the rest of them, continued care, independent, assisted, memory care, are not classified as medical facilities. So they don't have the oversight that a true medical institution does. That's very interesting because, like, you know, the care homes here are overseen by the same sort of, I think we call it the uh, uh, CQC, the Quality Care Commission. They're all overseen, so they're all rated, and there's a lot of regulation here, which is a good thing. I will say, and in praise of the care home that my nan is in, and um, it's, I don't mind naming it, we, it's called Springfield Manor Gardens. It's in Forward Preston. It is incredible. The staff there are wonderful. Every time I've had dealings with them, they have been just fantastic. But let, let's start with something, because you mentioned uh, POE. Now, POA, uh, I need to say POE because I'm such a networking in now. POA, for those who don't know, is power of attorney. And... That gives you, and it will be different across different countries, but it means that you um, effectively take usually legal, finan- usually financial control. There are different, again, different countries have different laws around this, but there are different types of POA, but typically a POA is in place when you're someone is not able to make financial decisions or other decisions on their own behalf. And that, you know, that's a very... I want to say scary and must be disheartening thing to have to take out against, a, a, to, you know, for a relative. It's a pretty heady, heady title. Yeah. It, it, it takes a lot of responsibility to, you know, both, both morally, ethically and emotionally to, to do that. Because you talked about financial abuse and unfortunately I, there have been cases you know, where POAs have been the financial abusers. It is, as you said, it's a huge ethical responsibility. It's one of the things mm-hmm. we really value on the show is strong ethics and looking at everything from that point of view. But before we get into some of the technology, one of the things we just quickly, and I know we talked about this when we first uh, did our initial call, but I thought we'd sort of bring the juicy topic to the forefront is those bad financial decisions, those decisions that could wipe out your savings. And, I guess there's two things we want to cover here, being scammed and what you described as aggressive marketing. Let, let's start with the aggressive marketing because that one's not really illegal. That's, that's you know, you can do that. It's not necessarily... As creative as you want to be, go for it, guys. You know, it's... Uh... So what, 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 what are we talking about there? Can you give us a bit of a... What, what's your take on this? What do we mean by these aggressive ads? What sort of things are we talking about? 
So, you know, aggressive ads can be anything from television to the mailers that you get in the print to the calls on on on, tele, on telephone calls. I mean, those are the simplest form of aggressive marketing, I'll call it. And in some cases, scare tactics are used or aspirational tactics. You are going to be younger, you know, jump higher, run faster, more virile again, whatever that is <laughs> for you. And, you know, we, we joked earlier before, before the recording about, you know, the, the aging, the aging actors getting on there saying, well, it's so great that I'm using it too. You don't necessarily always know that. And it's really hard to read the fine print on a 15 second commercial at the bottom of the screen that may be small, unless it's one of those billboard televisions that are, um, you know, 90 inches wide. <laughs> and then in, unless you freeze frame, uh, it's hard to catch it. And, and then the subscription. Oh, well, you know, it, the, it's free to start. You get on the phone with somebody and, yeah, that first month is free, but then it starts in a rapid succession of payments that you didn't expect and then try to get out of it, including now we're also going back to the care facilities and other facilities that are sending mailers out. Um, one, I had to laugh because we're getting mailers um, down where we are from. We moved from up north in Connecticut down to Florida two years ago, just after my mom passed. And I got a mailer from a care, uh, I'll put it in quotes, care facility that is no longer calling themselves a care facility, but a concierge living facility. Oh, gosh. And I thought, ooh, that's interesting. So you're playing to my ego of what I, I, I want to aspire to, whether I can afford it or not. And now I get the concierge care and the doorman and everything else that, you know, my neighbor can afford, but maybe I can't afford and they don't tell you up front exactly how the costs go. And most people don't even understand how to read a contract or ask, ask questions before a parent signs or they sign those documents. And then who's liable for them if you sign them for a parent? That, that's a whole nother thing. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, I consult with people on how to go over that and how to really understand what it is they're signing. And an attorney will tell you what's in the contract. They won't help you make the decision or give you the, the, the right questions to ask so that you can make a sound decision for yourself or somebody that you love. That's not their job. No, they're just there to tell you, look, yeah, this is legal. This isn't legal or this term is favorable or not favorable. They're getting paid to, they're not getting paid to help you make the decision. They're getting paid to basically to read through the contract. Read the contract, cross out certain things and say no, and then and then leave you up to negotiating it. Well, you know, we show you how to negotiate or tell you how to negotiate or, you know, go in as the secret shopper and ask the questions, which I did for somebody um, not too long ago when she had two different contracts to look at. Both were over um, 85 pages long. And if you re read through it, you know, they had some paragraphs that negated the ones in the front and then restated them in the back. And then didn't give you all the full details of the financials. That's scary. That's really scary. And, you know, and you maybe joke about aging celebrities because all, all I remember is seeing, you know, here in the UK and anyone who's seen these will know what took over. The insert company name here, guaranteed over 50s life plan advertised by aging celebrity, who you know, from TV. So it might be someone like, you know, <laughs> Dora uh, and go. 
for no, oh, for the herd, you know, from Last of Us from a Wine for our British listeners, or you know, maybe someone like William Shatner for our American. You will. That's right. I I, I want to go get get. Uh, I want I want to be beamed up, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he advertised computers back in the eighties. He was um he was Commodore spokesman for the Vic uh, Vic twenty and the um uh, the Commodore sixty four. Oh my it. gosh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But joking aside, and it is you know it is uh, difficult. I think there's an old saying, isn't it? If it looks if it looks too good to be true. It usually is. But what's too good to be true? Oh. See, you know, so your version of what, what looks f- too good to be true might be different than mine. And that, that becomes something of concern too. In, in this contract that I was talking about, the, the individual who I had given some advice to, she said, well, my rich friends, attorneys and accounts have looked over everything. And since they're there and, and got approved by them, I figured it'd be fine by me, but they're a different situation. And like I said, you know, the attorneys don't necessarily say, you know, this is, this is how you can afford this. No, but again, and you know, your circumstances will be different and it's things like hidden charges. You know, look, we, you know, when we were looking at the care home for Nana, we had a friend who worked it now again, different sort of scenario because of our, Correct. our regulation, but he was a care home manager and he looked at all of the care quality standard reports for all of those care homes. And he said, okay, based on my experience, the report says this, this is what's actually going on. He looked at all the costs, everything like that, and said, yeah, this is the one we want to go for. And, you know, it does help to have people like, for example, yourself. You've got experience of what to look out for in a a care facility contract. Uh, And, you know, we're fancy names. You know, because I think... I always think of like Springfield Retirement Castle. Sounds very grand, doesn't it, from The Simpsons? I want to live in a castle too, <laughs> <laughs> minus yeah. the minus the ghost. But you know, you talked about the 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 rules and regulations and how homes work over in the UK being different than the US, which is true. But we've also had friends in the UK. One one very close family friend who had um, Lewy body dementia was put into a you know a state I'll, I'll call it care home because his wife was also ill and couldn't take care of him and he had black eyes and was being physically abused and the blame was being put on another resident because he was combative well louis body dementia has sometimes the the anger yet when he was with his family that was not there so part of it was the environment it turned out it wasn't another resident or 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 patient it was a care facility worker. Yeah. And then getting the reports that they needed was, you know, and the team, the care team to talk about these issues was very, I'll say, very British and very polite and very proper. I'm like, you know what? If it was me, I'd be knocking on that queen's door and say, what the hell, queenie? You know, Elizabeth, at the, well, who's alive at the time, is like, something's wrong in Kansas and it's not here in the States. <laughs> Do you know what I could see? Maybe you something's wrong well. in Yorkshire. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Right? I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm impressed. Um, yeah, we're not in London anymore. <laughs> Three times. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And on that um, rather scary uh, uh, vision of Queen Elizabeth II in ruby lead sw- slippers. Um, <laughs> 
I'm sure she had them somewhere. She, she had everything that matched outfits. It was it was always beautifully coiffed. <laughs> well, you know why she had to, I mean, random, you know why she was always so brightly colored? So she could be seen. That's what I understand, you know. So if I don't want to be seen, I'll dress in drab. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So let's talk about everyone's favorite topic, scammers. Because as it happens, we were streaming last night and I, I just went into our email because I'm waiting for some emails to come through. I went into our jump mail and there was a, your order, st- your order renewal and it was from Geek Squad. Oh, I've gotten like several of those, all from Gmails. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And it says, you know, your order's been renewed at something like, I mean, it's a ridiculous amount, but it's like a, I mean, this one was $350. Okay. Well, first of all, I mean, I know why it came through in dollars, because it's a US email address for this particular account. And, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, if you want to cancel this, call this number. Now, of course, what happens is it is fake. What they will do is they'll say, oh, we're going to process a refund for you. We're going to transfer the funds to your bank account. And then they'll do some scammy stuff where it they try to make you believe that they have put too much money into your bank account and you need to refund them. And they do that through gift cards. It, oh, a it whole- was so good for me. Sorry for you. <laughs> Right. Guess so, what? <laughs> so, but you know, tech savvy users like me and you will 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 no no. I've not placed an order for antivirus. I, I mean, you know, I don't haven't done that. We'll know and we'll know what to look out for. But that isn't always going to be the case on your less tech savvy users. And, and I hate to generalize, but maybe the the more elderly users now. Before we go into this, is a, just a very quick thought. The generation that are now what we would consider older tech users, mm-hmm. could they well be one of the last generations that are going to be less tech savvy? No, I don't think so. And and this is my comment because the younger, like Gen Zs and and even the the millennials, somebody was referring to herself the other day as a geriatric millennial meaning that she didn't grow up with a phone in her face the old time and she remembered microwave popcorn being released and some other things. But it was it was not so much the fact that she hadn't grown up with technology. I think the fact that even the younger generation, because they're using it all the time, become technologically lazy is what oh, I would say. Oh, right? interesting. Yeah. So there's a difference between tech savvy and being tech lazy because it's there all the time and it's just a matter of course. So you, and this is, this is a blanket statement. I think that they in general can become more trusting because it's just part of their everyday lives as opposed to understanding or even questioning where these things are coming from. You, the, you trust marketers. You, and that, you know, I'm not saying every marketer is bad because I'm one too. You know, I grew up in the marketing world and we all are in some way, shape or form, no matter whether you're in a marketing or sales environment or not. But there's a got to be a good, healthy ability to question, not always in a contentious way, but just to say, do I really need that? Is, is that something important? Do I know where it's coming from? And why is it being targeted to me? That's a really good point. Yeah, it's not knowing how to use your smartphone doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be 
aware of what to look out for. And I think it is, you know, there's not enough good education out there. And when I say education, I don't just mean in school. I mean, in general, it's, it's something that I'm really passionate about. And I'm actually, you know, genuinely looking to see if it's something I can make as an online resource, uh, you know, sort of help people with that. But that aside, those scammers, do you, do you think, I think we've kind of hit the nail on the head. It's really about, okay, was they expecting this email? What are the telltale signs when it's wrong? I mean, I don't know if you've had them, but the bank emails, which are so badly spelt. Oh, I actually just got one the other day and it wasn't an email. It was a text message. Oh. So this was interesting. It said that my um, purchase had been declined and all I needed to do was call this number. Okay. Well, I didn't recognize, I didn't recognize the last four digits on the card. Right. And it was my bank. And it was an account that I had that, that I, that I had with my parents just to, you know, manage bills. And so their names were on the account too. And what happened is I said, I am not calling that number. I picked up the phone. I called the bank uh, number on the back of my own card because it was a debit card that they had said that they were trying to use, uh, which on top of it made it even more suspicious. And I called them and I said, I've, I've got this text message and I'm concerned that there might, it might be fraudulent. And they said, well, that's strange because we don't see anything on your account because I was calling off, off my card and it was on a card that I had gotten from my mother who had passed. So, you know, I didn't have that card anymore. And they said, well, recognize that it's, it's with your mom's card, but she, we know her as deceased and therefore we declined it. But yes, that's something you, that, that you never should have called that number on, which I didn't. That's a really good tip. So it's coming through on text messages too. And, and it's, you know, everywhere we're being hit. It's not just email. It's not just the phone. It's not just, you know, an internet post that pops up, a, a pop up or anything else. It's everywhere. It is. And, you know, a big one over here, and I don't know if this has hit the US yet, delivery scams, where you'll get a message from a courier uh, claiming to be a courier saying, hey, we've got a parcel for you. But yep, I've got those two. Yeah, there's like so much to pay. I mean, it takes you to a site. Folks, your courier will never do that. If, they, if there is a fee to pay, you will get something through your door to say there is a fee to pay. And it will be an official thing. You're not going to get that via text message. Don't click, you know, whatever it is, do not click on the hyperlink. And if it's, if it's a text message, call your local delivery uh, office and ask them. Or if it's, if it's the bank, don't call the number that's on your phone, call the number on the back of your card yep. or go down to your branch and talk to them as much as you may have to wait in line. But you know, whatever it is, use old fashioned, non-tech traditional methods to to verify is this actually correct couldn't agree more that's a great tip and mouse over you know mouse over you know if you can on emails where is it coming from check the emails i mean this is you know we get these all the time and they're getting slick i got caught once a number of years back with quickbooks and i was having problems with quickbooks and they do I'll call it fake pages, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I clicked in, I was looking for the QuickBooks um, account, uh, the web address, I found it, clicked on it, and called the number saying I was having some problems. And it was a fake website for QuickBooks. And then I finally got a hold of them. I, what, I got these guys online, they were helping me with their tech, they were on my computer. I'm like, holy, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> It was... Uh, 
it, it was, it, it, luckily I was safe, but I ended up, you know, paying, which I shouldn't have had to, for some people to, to take care of my, my tech issue with QuickBooks if I needed it. But, you know, shame on me. That was, that was, I would say that was probably about nine years ago when they were getting slick. So they, they even do fake websites yeah. out there. And because buying a domain, you know, that's one thing. Check the domain, you know, um, if you use a password manager, like, and, Password managers is a whole different topic. I'm not going to go into it too much, but if you use a good password manager like 1Password or Bitwarden, they will... Yeah, I use KeyPass. KeyPass is pretty cool. Their browser extensions are designed to check the web page that you're on, and they shouldn't let you fill your bank's login if you're not on your bank's website. No, I don't, I don't let them fill in. I don't let them autofill my address at all, if, if at all. But sometimes it, you ha- have no choice. It automatically does it, so... But I don't do that. No bank, no nothing, you know, and, and do two, two step authentication. Yeah. Some of them are doing three step now. And, and really what we want is uh, the whole concept of passwordless, you know, what Apple are doing in pass keys, Google are on board for, you know, the concept of, of how you authenticate with your device, authenticate with your fingerprint on a, on a, your phone is so much better than passwords. That's a whole different episode. Let, let's go back into sort of the, uh, the concept of tech for older people. Cause sure. one of the things we talked about. Sometimes, look, there's loads of awesome things that companies are doing to make it more accessible for older people and for family members. Look, I, I give the example of uh, the Apple Watch, where Apple mm-hmm. are now on their cellular Apple Watch is letting you do it a family setup. I wish we'd had that for my granddad because we would have been able to call him. You know, he might not be able to hear us, but we could have called him, texted him, you know, and it's some cases better. But actually, I think something you said is, Sometimes it's the cheapest and the most unlikely techs that mm-hmm. can help out in certain situations. Can you go through some sort of, I guess, what's a, maybe the best way is like elder care home hacks, like little things. Sure. That, yeah, that aren't as obvious maybe. This is a lot of fun. So when um, when I took, actually just before I took over as POA for my folks and started to see issues, I would go, we have Home Depot and Lowe's. I, I don't know if you have them over there. But we don't the, know, but the, I know the, the sort of home, the home stores. like uh, The here, home I, store. It's basically the big box um, hardware stores, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I would go in there, and instead of going in there to do repairs for our house, I would think, oh, my God, look at all these things that can be like used for mom and dad. And we, I never even thought about it this way, which was kind of interesting. Or Harbor Freight is another, I call it the the tool time tool uh, toy box for guys here <laughs> at, in the States. But, you know, low cost. Timber Tool Man Taylor. Yeah, low, low cost toy, tools, not toys, but tools <laughs> for, um, for purchase. And so one of the things that I got there, I think it was like 20 or $25 were these little, I'll call them electric eye trip monitors. So you go through, you know, you put it on the ground and you walk past it and it beeps. It makes a loud beep noise. It notices that somebody is going through or tripping this electric eye beam. And what we did is um, we bought those and put them at the foot of my parents' bed or, or by the bed where they would normally take their feet out of the bed to stand up and, and go walk. My mom had dementia. So uh, not aggressive, but concerned about her getting out of bed and falling was the main issue when we, we'd had AIDS here. And I was, I was happy to have um, AIDS who were staying at night fall asleep. Look at, I, I get it. It's okay. Some people say, no, don't fall asleep. You awake all the time. 
but they're human too. And to, to stay up 24 seven, that's just not physically possible. So these alarms were put on the, on the, on the floor by their bed. So when their feet hit the ground, these alarm bells would go off where the aides were sleeping or resting or closing their eyes or whatever it was. And you, you, the neighbors probably heard these things. They were so loud. Never woke up my dad. I don't know what he, <laughs> he was able to sleep through, but that was very helpful and all for like 20 or $25. Yeah. Which well, is incredible. So it was, it was a, it was a fall monitor, I would call it instead of an Apple Watch or something. People who wander. Will escape the houses or do the same thing. So at the front of the door, the first thing I actually got on a monitor like that, it really wasn't a monitor. It was at one of those as seen on TV stores. And it was this little parrot. It was a cheap little parrot that was, that you could stick on a wall, like a budgie, budgie parrot. And it sat on a branch. And when you walked by, like an animatronic for Disneyland, it would turn its head and go cheep, 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 cheep. Well, we put it at the front of the door where my parents were living in, in a, in an, it was really an independent facility where we took them out of the other one because mom was escaping and going down the hall and the aides couldn't find her. Like, where'd she go? It's like, well, shame on you. You weren't doing your job. But that little bird would cheep every time she went out the door and they could hear it before we got the $20. So I think I got this for $9.99. But I thought, well, it's kind of cute and entertaining at the same time, right? And mom wouldn't worry about it. She wouldn't know what it was, but we did. <laughs> so, And these great little things like that, you know, and, and things like little gadgets, little home assistant things. It's low tech. It's not, it's not fancy, but it works, right? It's not smart tech because it's, you know, it is literally just, you know, audio, audio alerts. You don't yeah. need to worry about an internet connection because, you know, certainly I can speak for my grandparents. My grandparents never had an internet connection. Right. My my grandparents had an analog phone line and that was it. The only time we ever got internet was when I turned up with my like, you know, portable 4G hotspot. Yeah. And there, there's a benefit to having an analog telephone. Mm -hmm. So when the internet goes down, you have no telephone. Yeah. We had we had two lines at, at our house in Connecticut. One was the digital line you know, the, the VoIP line. And the other was the analog line because we were constantly being hit with power outages that could last for days. When that happened, I knew that I could still call out and call my parents and make sure that they were okay if they needed. And if my power ran out on my phone, we couldn't get the a, a, a cell connection. At least they had a way to reach me. And that, or if there was an emergency, I could still call out 911. It's really interesting because here in the UK, the plan is, and I think it's by 2025, our analog phone network is going to get shut down. Well, there is, yeah, I've got the book called um, How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, which is based on the states here, but still a lot of the information could go anywhere worldwide. And there is a way here in the states to call 911 when the 911 system is down. Oh. And you just simply text 911. But there's a caveat. You have to make sure that the region where you're living is, I'll call, bought into or linked into the system that coordinates all those calls. So that that dial may actually go 50 miles away from you and then try and figure out how to get the, the service to where you physically are. But that's important to know um, whether it's available in your area. It's really interesting, you know, and things like, you know, things like for people who do have uh, particularly you know, older people have tend to have more, should we say more, uh, more 
decreased vision and decreased hearing. Yep. Things like um, nice big button telephones or being able to, you know, have audio amplifiers on the telephone, you know, speakers. 60 decibels. Yeah, we had a 60 decibels telephone that worked. You push the boost the sound on it. Mom and dad could hear it. And you push it again and it would go down to a normal level so we could talk to our aides without blasting out their ears. Yeah. And little things like that. One thing I, I know we struggle, we struggle with this with granddad. It's something I, I would love to find a really great solution for is TV remotes have become so complicated, especially with, especially with smart TVs. Oh, yeah. And, you know, my, whenever my granddad wanted to trans, uh, to switch over to his BDV player, that's what my grand, granddad called his uh, Blu-ray player, BDV. He didn't quite understand the difference between the CD and a DVD slash Blu-ray. Right. So we would call all his CDs DVDs. And he just, he, the way he would distinguish it, oh, this one's got pictures on it. Yep. You know, he's, because of diabetes, he started to lose uh, feeling in his fingers. And he couldn't press some of those smaller buttons. There are products out there that are big button remotes, but they're not great. Have you found anything just out of interest? But it's- there, you know, there are a number of, I'm looking at one online right now. There's an on-off button that's green. Okay. Um, and there's a channel changer that's left and right. They're bright and blue. Mm-hmm. And then there's a volume button up, you know, plus and negative. And that's it. That's all that's on it. I'm very simple. And it, you know, $39, $40, right? So, um, and they're universal, but you need to, you need to look around and see what's going to work. It may not be the right one that your parents can figure out. It may not work with your system or your, your cable provider or, or whatever TV provider. But in that particular case, call the telephone, the TV company and say, this is what I've got. Can I do this? Will it work? Do you have any other solutions? It is an extra time commitment. It does, you know, waiting online or, you know, try it. And if it doesn't work, return it to the provider that you bought it from, you know, buy it on Amazon. You can always return. Absolutely. Great tip. And, you know, one tip I'd give as well is um, if you're choosing TVs and accessories, one of the best things you can have so your older relatives don't have to change inputs, get something that supports HDMI CEC, uh, connected equipment control, so that when you turn the Blu-ray player on or, you know, whatever cable box, it will turn the TV on and off. That's a a good one. It's a really helpful thing to have. Also, the size. I'll just say the size of the television. So my parents had a fairly good sized television, but I could see that dad was straining to see the close, to see the closed caption. He wouldn't wear his hearing aids at home, uh, which, you know, I, and most people don't. No. They have the headphones that you can listen to and, and put on that way. So and still have a normal conversation with somebody. The only thing I don't like about those is that headphones still create, even though you're sitting next to somebody, a sense of isolation. They do. Yeah. So there is that physical component. However, so I went out and bought like this gigantic screen television for my folks. And my dad's, oh, you spend too much money. You shouldn't do that. Oh, oh, geez. Oh, geez. And then I turned it on and I said, can you read the closed caption on it now? Oh, my gosh. This is fantastic. <laughs> he could see it again. <laughs> Brilliant. You know, they would watch television with the sound off. Because he could read closed captions. I could read it. He didn't care whether mom could hear it or not. <laughs> not what he was thinking. Mom slept. But <laughs> but yeah, he could see it again. 
Yeah, because I'm a, I'm a hearing aid user, and there are times. I mean, obviously, I'm not wearing them now because I've got in ear headphones in, but I do wear my hearing aids at home. I try to, but you know, things you can get are things like HDMI streamers. So you plug the HDMI of your devices into the streamer. Remember HDMI into the TV, and it will transmit to your hearing aids while still leaving the TV audio intact. Ah, so very cool bits. I, by the way, can I just say I love how far hearing aid technology has come. Probably, uh, actually, very much relevant for older people. My hearing aids directly interface with my phone. Yeah. And I can have all my calls rooted into my hearing aids. I feel like Lieutenant Ahura in the original series. But you need those big button phones to be able to do that when you get older, right? You do. So I, (laughs) and I think there are, you know, bits of tech, but you know, things like voice assistants are are great. Let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the smart home stuff, because while I would never, I don't think an older person would necessarily be able to get along with, you know, like going into a phone and doing other button changes. What do you think to things like Lady in the Tube from Amazon or Apple's implementation? I'm trying not to save a product name so I don't trigger anyone's devices while we're while we're listening. What do you think to those for older people? Are they just not work? Can older, in your experience, can older people work with smart assistants in devices like that? Well, you know, I think it's it's helpful to some extent. The the question I have is how much do we want to rely on that? Indeed. Versus having somebody in the home that actually can help when needed. And they're typically, you know, one way from the speaker to the voice assisted system. Mm-hmm. But if we're a caregiver, a POA, a durable power attorney, and uh, you know a guardian for somebody, and living outside at work or many miles away, that becomes a problem because we don't know when there's an issue. The other thing too is that as our parents typically tend to get you know older, they also don't want to worry us. Don't worry about me; I'm fine. And my my husband's dad one day told him about some operation he had. It was a major operation, but it was several months ago. And he said, Dad, why didn't you tell me? He says, oh, I didn't want to worry you. It really wasn't that big of a deal. You know, only it's only like a bypass. <laughs> only a bypass. Yeah, only right. a bypass. So, I mean, but I can't remember what the, the procedure was, but it was, I don't think it was a bypass. It was something that had gone on. But still, you know, that happens a lot. You know, they're the parents. They don't think of us as the kids that, you know, we're, we're the kids. We don't need to take over even though we're there to assist them and be of help. So that's that's important. In those cases, I say it, probably the better tool is to have a, 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 a camera in the house that you can do two-way. So if you see an issue and your phone is alerted, you see you know, movement and something's or no lack of movement, you can get on those cameras quite often and say, Dad, you know, I'm here. It's Nance. And they'll, they may get confused and not know where you are, but you'll be able to visually see something and then dial 911 yourself or the emergency system and say, I need to, you know, to get an emergency responder to the house of my parents. Here's the address. This is what I'm seeing going on or a neighbor or whoever it might be. So the camera systems are really very helpful when you've got them and they do connect to your phone too. Oh, no, I think there are some fantastic, of, of course, you know, as we will always say on this podcast, make sure you're choosing something that respects your privacy. The last thing you want is your the video feed from your parents' house being used by Facebook or Meta as, uh, you know, data analytics and all this stuff. Because, you know, um, unfortunately, you feed uh, by Anchor recently right. 
they were meant to be local recording only. Turns out they were all going to the cloud without anyone knowing about it. So there are concerns there, but the, the point still stands. You know, and you've got things, you know, I mentioned Apple's offering. One of the things I love is it, on the home pod, you've got intercom. So you can actually message through that as well. And, you, you know, again, these, if it, I think the trick is, and I think Nancy's hit, hit the nail on the head, not to write, rely entirely on smart tech, but to use smart tech for your benefit. It might be things like knowing that, I mean, my, my grandparents would sit in the dark until one of them got up. Right. Well, smart lighting, if it's done right, because it's actually, you know, you have to think about how you're going to make it so that they effectively don't have to worry about the smart stuff. So things like putting light switch le- relays into the actual light switches so that it still operates as smart, but they can just flip the switches as normal. But having a schedule that says, okay, at sunset, close the blinds, close the drapes, turn on the lights, things like that. Yep. That can be helpful. And you talked about obviously door sensors and alarm systems. They can be incredibly useful if done right. But again, they should ne- I think correct me if I'm wrong, the point we're trying to make is they should never be in place with someone, a, a loving carer or someone in a position of responsibility to make sure that person's actually okay. Absolutely. And to understand that over time, you may have to change out different technologies, different tools that you're using. So you talked about the Apple smart smart watch. There's other, you know, help I've fallen and I can't get up devices that people will wear around their necks and things like that. No, those are fine. Until you've got an issue with dementia or some other sense of, of not liking things around the wrist or around, and, and I worry about the things that go around the neck because somebody falls and that neck, necklace or whatever device it is could get hung up on something. And now you have a choking device. And I don't think a lot of those manufacturers has ever thought about the, the what ifs in many cases. Also, like what happens if, Mom forgets to charge that device because guess what? It's like charging your phone. I'm out of, you know, we, we all forget to charge our phone or we overuse it and it's, it's oops, you know, the next day we need it and the charger's at home and we're out at the grocery store or at work or whatever it is and somebody doesn't have a charger for us. But those things are really important to, to think about. There's also devices that will, uh, you can set up your home as I'll call it a smart home where it'll sense motion. Nothing is on the person at all, but it'll know whether the cabinets where the medicine is opened all, you know, kept is opened or closed. It'll sense temperature changes in the house. So did the, did they leave the oven on or not? Some of them will have an extra detector for gas or other carbon related concerns. So that's something to be of, to be looked at as well that can be independent but used in conjunction with something else. They all get expensive, though. They do, and that's the one, the one thing it is. It can be expensive, but, you know, and I think it's, you know, I don't know, again, I can only really speak for, for, for the UK, but do reach out to your local adult social care for your council. Not all of them are amazing, because unfortunately our local councils are massively underfunded. But certainly my granddad was able to get an assessment done and was able to get, um, you know, um, extra handrails fitted onto the staircase and grab rails fitted on the exterior of the building. Yeah, low tech, guess what? You know, it works. Or the little stair elevators, you sit on a chair. So if you've got two-story homes or a regular elevator that can be a lift, that's, that's, they're expensive, 
But guess what? You know, it could add value to the house when you sell it later on if it's done tastefully. So it looks good and yes. aesthetically. You know, everybody's interested in aesthetics. But guess what? You know, there's an opportunity for another older couple to maybe move into that home who's considered, considering their lifespan and how they want to age in place too, which is what most people want to do. And you hit the nail on my head in terms of those devices because my granddad had, he had the, the, the wristwatch with the little button. Mm-hmm. But he would press it if he fell. But he did also have a neck pendant, mm-hmm. but he never wore it. Right. Because he did, because it kept, it kept bashing. He, he wasn't too worried about, it. he didn't mind having things around his neck because he always wore a tie, but he didn't like it bashing and it would go off because he, because it was overly sensitive. He had a system uh, called Telecare where there was a box plumbed into the phone line and it, they, it would be like effectively a giant speaker phone. Right. And they'd say, Oh, Ken, you know, Kenny, you okay? You okay? Yeah, yeah, fine. I've been thinking, knocking again. I brush my teeth. Shut up. <laughs> like that would be my granddad. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they get all those types of things, but you know, better safe than sorry. And, and then you also have to think like, how many times do you, you know, the old adage, how many times do you cry wolf? Mm-hmm. And it really is seriously serious. But you know, dad has said, don't worry about me. I'm fine. And he's on the floor for three days. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, I shouldn't laugh, but you know, my, I, I do wish granddad had something a little bit more automatic that he did, he would have wore i mean my granddad loved watches the number of watches he had i i i do f- and i don't i don't, you know he was 96 when he passed so i can't really um it's still to, hard right it's, it's okay it yeah. yeah it's 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 you know and it's, it's one of the reasons i wanted to do this episode is partly because i thought it's such an important thing but mo- moving on from like actual physical devices because we've got a lot of great stuff there, and I, I might need to get you to um, we might need to get some link. In fact, I'll try and get some links together. If there's anything you've got, uh, we'll make sure those are in the show notes as well. But one thing I want to ask you about is for pe- for older people who do like to be online, and, and we're not talking necessarily here about uh, safety, as in like scams and stuff like that. But one thing I've noticed a lot more of is we are becoming more and more a society where everything is online or through your smartphone. Right. There's an example. Uh, my church, uh, we're a city centre location and there's no parking at the actual building. Now, we do have blue badge parking for a limited number of people, but we've done a, a deal with a local uh, establishment. I'm not going to go into more details because I, I don't think we're allowed to actually talk about who it is, um, but they've done a deal on the parking where if you use a certain mobile phone-based parking app, you can get, I think it's a pound for four hours. Very fair parking. And we've got that basically evenings and weekends for church members. So you have to pay for church parking in where you are? Well, only because we don't have a parking lot. Okay. All right. Got it. So okay. It's, it's like, like well, so. This is a different. Yeah. Like we we don't have a parking lot of a building because very few churches do. To be honest with you, because we're so you know relatively these aren't these big like you know like mega church not mega churches but we've got a, you know quite compact anyway. But, but, but beside the point. But the only way you can get that is if you have the smartphone app. So for our elderly members of the congregation, they have to pay a pound per hour. Ooh. So they get... No, it's not the church's fault, uh, just to be clear. This is definitely... But on a limited income stream and, you know, a pound per hour versus a pound for every four hours. Mm-hmm. And how often you go to church. Some people go to church every day. And that starts to add up. 
I mean, in the case of this particular church, maybe a couple of times a week, it depends what activities are on. And again, this isn't the church's fault. This is no. down to the infrastructure. This is down to, you know, and it is becoming more and more of a case now where, you know, public car parks are no longer taking cash payments. You have to use either text messaging or apps. And some stores are doing the same thing, too, here in the state. So in New York, before we moved from the New York area, I went into the city and I just needed a, you know, a bottle of water. I was thirsty and I was between meetings and I thought I just need to get some water. And I didn't have the app on my phone, but it was an Amazon little bodega type of thing. Oh, yes. And yeah. you go through the turnstile and they said, well, do you have the app on your phone? I was like, what app? He said, well, there's no payment system. You've got to pay for it on your Amazon, you know, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, the hell with that. You know, I'll, I'll just get it on the street someplace else. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sign a stand here for 15 minutes and sign up for that just to get a bottle of water. I'm done. But that's, that started to happen. Yeah. It is. And, you know, um, now I think things like contactless payments are a wonderful thing because I, I think there's a balance, you know, cash is wonderful. I had to actually go and get cash out yesterday because I actually, my washing machine has decided to turn into a very angry Dalek. And, uh, let's, <laughs> my washing machine's out, uh, out of commission. Thankfully, I've got a new one coming next week. Thank you. Thank you very much. Landlord. I like that you call your washing machine darling. <laughs> no, Dalek. <laughs> Not oh, 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 okay. I thought you yeah. said darling. Darling, no, no, no. My, I, I have no romantic relationship with my washing machine. <laughs> no, well, I fantasize about the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it turned into a very angry robot and it just, it was not good. It, it just made enough noise to, well, let's just say I could only run it in my day. Anyway, <laughs> point is I had to do laundry. I had to go and get coins and I actually go and get money out of a cash point because my bank don't have branches. That's the other thing is, you know, look, contactless payments, particularly maybe for people with, with memory issues, not having to remember your PIN and using, you know, your Apple Watch or uh, the, the card is wonderful. But at the flip side, for most people, my pe- my grandparents always paid in cash for everything. It scared me at times, the amount. I remember going, we went TV shopping and I was expecting to put it on my debit card and they pay me back. No, my nana, bless her, brought £600 in a little envelope to Asda. Like, nana, like, she's always all right. I've had it in my purse for a couple of days. But we've, you've been going out. What if, you're, what if your wallet got picked? Well, but there are also electronic uh, ways to steal things because of the skimmers that are on systems and everything else. So another tech tech issue to be concerned about, especially here, they've got the skimmers on the uh, the. Um, the gas stations quite oh, frequently gosh, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you don't you know you know you can test to see whether there's there's potentially a skimmer there it happened to one of our banks where it was actually on the bank atm branch that there was a skimmer and that which was rather interesting they caught the people who would put it in but still that's an issue that we don't consider um, and i think there's a benefit to cash or at least understanding how to work in a cash system because People tend to know what they had. Yes. Today, it's it's a lot less so. You know, I'm now I'm sounding almost like oh that younger generation. All they do is play with plastic. Well, you know, I'm I'm there too. So, uh, <laughs> but there is there is that. I mean, I I remember a bank. You know, a piggy bank and counting coins. Right. <laughs> no, I got my I got my pocket money or allowance in coin in cash. Yeah. So I do remember that, and I I love cash. I love coins, but. I also love just be able to go. I went shopping early and just be able to tap my watch. Go, here you go. And just like on the, not, I don't, you know, on the reader, 
Interestingly, fun fact for... But, uh, but I'll, I'm going to interject for a second because my bank, big bank here in the US said, don't sign up for one of those um, like uh, Venmo. Don't do it. It's not safe. That's interesting. Okay, Venmo can be unsafe if it's used wrongly, but that seems, that's a really... I, I'm talking about Apple Pay because Apple Pay... So here in the UK, Apple Pay is... is uh, because our infrastructure has been built around contactless... Right. Apple Pay is automatically supported. I was talking to Jay, my, my partner and our co-host of, of this show when she's um, not working, and she was saying their store, and I won't name a store, but it begins with a, a K and ends in an R. Um, <laughs> they don't take any contactless payment beyond their own app. That doesn't happen here. If a store supports contactless, it supports Apple or Google Pay. But I just love to be able to tap on the payment terminal. But that that's the other thing is, of course, today I went shopping. Two whole checkout lanes, at, at least at this, this store, have gone in favour of self-checkouts. And we have that here too. I'm, yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing that more and more now. I mean, there's this whole controversy going on at Walmart with the receipt checkers. You, you know, you've done, you've been your own mm-hmm. cashier and now you have to show your receipt. I mean, that's a whole thing, but... Right. Do you think that's detri- do you think self service machines where we're asking people who maybe have vision or uh, vision problems in particular? I'm thinking, or you know, even dexterity issues to do all their own checkout. Do you think that's detrimental? You know, I'm not sure it's detrimental because we've got people here to help as well. It's not a hundred percent. I mean, if you need, there's always like one person there. But it is frustrating. I mean, I, we've all been through them. I've used them. And when you have a, a glitch or you have to weigh something and you, there's no sticker on it to tell you what the number is. Or if you buy an alcohol. Right. Or the number the number or sticker on the, on the apple is so tiny that even I can't read it with, with or without glasses. You know, and, and what do you, and the, or the scanner's not working. So somebody's got to come and check it out. And it extends the amount of time there. So I find that frustrating. I'm much more, I said, look at, I am not a checkout expert. You're the checkout expert. You do your job. You know, voila, we're out of here. You know, I can stand online and read a magazine versus whatever. I think that's, that's an issue of customer service and customer satisfaction. Do people want to control that? Or now they get the scanners where while you're in the store as you're shopping, you can scan what it is through there on either on your phone or through a, an, a, a scanner at the front of the store. And so you just walk out with your stuff. You don't even have to pay for it. It just, well, it's paid for as you scan it into your cart as you're shopping throughout the store, which, you know, which is okay too, um, providing somebody doesn't pick up my scanner and put it in their cart. I mean, there's another potential fraud and it's, I think it's easier for shrinkage to happen. Although, you know, Walmart and others say they've got cameras at the checkout, the self-checkout, so they'll be able to see how many items you have and whether you walked out with it. People unintentionally may not scan something because they think they have, and now they're stopped, and so their sense of dignity and respect is yeah. gone. Then you've got others who are purposely doing it. We've seen per- people purposely trying to return things that, yeah, but the, those... There are more and more of those people happening, you know, coming forward as the economy gets tighter. Like, how, what can I get away with? So that's that's a business matter. And who's the customer? That's a very good point. Look, ultimately, and that's one point of frustration. Now, one thing that I've seen a lot of, again, as someone with visual impairment, can I put a plea out to 
sites to websites who, particularly if you're providing a public service or anything that people need to interact with, please make sure you've invested in accessibility because you know what? Don't make it difficult for people to zoom in on your site or increase the font size because you will have people. Look, I have to zoom in on sites. Right. Please make it easier. I mean, again, it's little things like that and, and choice of, you know, you, user experience, what we call user experience and user interaction. So important, not confusing people with lots of button choices. I mean, we talked about big button phones, this push and push to smartphones. I know the number of calls I get from members of the church or just, you know, older friends. I have no idea. And they'll say, I have no idea what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to text my nephew or something like that. And they can't figure it out because the UI is so confusing. Right. Yeah. Again, what's your take on that? You know, in those particular cases, I think we need to, to, first of all, we need to understand who our customer is, right? There's a marketing issue. And more and more people have different types of abilities. I'll call them abilities versus disabilities, because some people have certain abilities that are different than others. So I like to say that versus dis. I like that. Yeah, I like that. We're not dissing that. (laughs) 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 But I'm in the process of building a new website for for Caremanity, which is the over umbrella of, of our business or building one. And you, you was like, remind him, he's like, oh yeah, I got to add that, that app in there to make sure that it's accessible from a readability perspective. Then there's the audible perspective. If it's a written word, you know, it, can it be read? It depends upon what other tools you have on your end. And then there, from the podcast side of things, I've got a podcast. I, I don't translate everything. I translated one uh, or, or did a uh, transcript for one that was specifically with a, a gentleman. We were talking about disability in the healthcare environment and, and what issues are going on. But the, the transcript tool that I had took four hours to correctly edit it on our side. So that, what can, what can those of us who are creators and developers and service providers afford to do time wise is the other question. Not that we don't want to serve people, but you know, I don't have another four hours in the day for every particular show that I've done to do that. No, I mean, we're, look, we're struggling with that, but we, you'll notice folks that from the episode make community and Warcraft, there should start to be transcriptions. Jay is, Jay's taking responsibility for that. We're using Descript to do ours. Now, there are so many tools, but, um, our hosting provider for the podcast, Castos, who we are an affiliate with Castos and they are wonderful for actual podcast hosting. They have automatic transcriptions, but it's, um, as in they will process the episode for us. But again, we'd have to correct it. Yeah, they're, they're, they're piss poor is the only way to describe it. <laughs> oh, what the, the automatic stuff. Yeah. It's not the, the automatic stuff. I mean, I was using a, a brand name that a lot of podcasters use and somebody, and we, we just tested and said, Oh, this is horrific. But there are so many out there. And, but, but look, they're not perfect. You do have to go manual and it costs money. So again, from a cross wires yeah. perspective, it's not that if we I'm paying don't... for it. I want to be perfect. Right. right. And it's not that we don't want to do it, but it's not necessarily the cost. It's the time. Yeah. It's Jay's time. You know, I'm, you know, I'm ed- producing the shows. I'm editing. She's doing social media. Uh, Jay's our stream coordinator. You know, there's only two of us, but still we, we have different roles to try and put that workload out there. So, and I think there is a difference. You've hit the nail. I think you've hit a nail there on the head. There's a huge difference between 
people companies being unwilling to be accessible and i've seen plenty of examples of that versus budgets and resources yeah and the bigger the bigger companies who aren't doing it you know shame on them for not doing it and some of them may be gouged financially to say you know so they're they're you know it's the pre- the outside pressure you know social pressure to do things that are right but i think they can do things right probably at a more cost effective rate because of scale of what they've got yet are they willing to invest in it versus those of us that are smaller and medium sized corporations that it's it's almost financially impossible for us to do this time and time again and still be able to deliver a product that's of value to somebody that we're proud of absolutely because look we're both content creators and i know correct Look, but we had a product, we effectively had a production meeting before we even the group, before we did this episode to talk about, look, what's the style? How are we doing this? We, we put a lot of work in. Me and Nancy put a lot of work into getting this episode ready. And I hope that comes across. I, I mean, I can say straight away, I've loved this discussion. It's, it's been really helpful, but we both believe in quality. It's something that's always driven me crazy is the lack of care in some sectors. Um, there's, there's always well, the be- lack of care until it becomes a, a liability, right? Right. Until you have to do something, why bother? But and even then, it's you know the, the comp- compliance. You only have to do so much to hit compliance. But actually, we should all be doing more than that. You know, quality of audio and it, it's, it's so much stuff. But again, I think it, it comes down to. Just have that thought about accessibility. Think, okay, if my elderly relative was trying to listen to this podcast, can they do so? Or can they access my website? Or is my product easy enough to use? I I saw a post earlier, actually, on Mastodon, where someone was trying to complete a jury summons and the the, uh, the, uh, the SSL cert had, had, had problems. Now, that's a problem. So I'm torn on this one, but I'll, I'll tell you. So the problem is that the SSL cert was invalid. But Apple's UI to say, okay, do you still want to trust this, was confusing. Now, part of me thinks actually that is the right thing because you don't want people trusting bad certificates. But the other part is, is it, is it too complex? The real answer here is, whatever court system this was, why are you why are your SSL certs not working properly? Mm. What What's happened there? But anyway, that's. I think there's a lot we can do to make tech, tech accessibility accessible, and also just be mindful of how we can use tech to, you know, to help older people. Do does your does your eighty or ninety year old grandparent or or parent or you know or relative if they still enjoy CDs rather than doubt, uh, like trying to get them onto Apple Music or Spotify, let them have the CDs. It's not gonna look. Does it mean that we're going to have a huge... My, my grandfather, honestly, had enough CDs to open a branch of a music store. He had that many. But that's what he enjoyed. That's what he knew how to use. I think, as a final thought, are there times, Nancy, where we, and I maybe put myself into this category, try and make technology too much, too complicated for older people because we think it's a good idea? I know I've thrown myself into that, but I've done that with my parents. So, so are we making technology too diff- difficult for older people? Uh, more so, are we? So, when we come up with all these clever ideas of like, oh, instead of your CD, like for example, instead of your CD player, granddad, right. why don't we get you a streaming thing? Okay, yeah, because it's cooler, it's cheaper, it's faster, better. You know, it's it's like it's the new thing. 
you know, there's always that, that, uh, first mover person who, who takes up the new tech and, then there's the fast followers and then there's the, the, the laggers, as they call them, right? So I think what we have to be dang- careful of is to, looking at technology for technology's sake and being so wrapped up in, in the cool, the new, the different, the elimination of bodies and then ignoring ultimately the end user. The customer, our parents, or or even ourselves, because we're the ones who are setting it up, and maybe we don't have the time to do so. Or, you know, reading the I've got a piece of technology equipment here that it's like really you know, people are complaining about setting it up versus podcast related stuff, and I'm like, it's going to take me four hours. I already did four hours, and I still can't figure it out. And it's not working. And others saying it's taking them four days. Like I don't have four days. Maybe I should just return the thing because this is. I know it's going to be a better tool, but Heck, it's making, I, you know, I'm tearing my hair out here just trying to figure out how to, how to get it work with my system. And it, that's, that's wrong. That's, that's a technology that worked beautifully when it works. The problem is they didn't consider the, the user interface and uptake on it. And, you know, ultimately it's, it's the old adage, you know, keep it simple, stupid. How do you make it work? Give me one button usage connection and, and then give the updates as I need them, right? It's, it doesn't need to be absolutely 100% perfect unless, it, unless it's life threatening for a health or elder care related issue. But if there's a way to make life easier for us who are caring for somebody, still be engaged, give our parents or our loved ones a little sense of autonomy and respect and, you know, still feel like they're vital in the world, mm. then that has to be the end mode of, of what we're dealing with. And ultimately, none of us wants to leave this world thinking that we are a burden on anybody. But we, we want to be, we want the dignity and respect even to that, I say, to that very last breath. Couldn't agree more. That, that sums up exactly. Yeah. Look, remember, there's still a person, you know, you, I know I, look, I'll be really honest. I know. Until I, I become a cyborg. And then, <laughs> 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 then we'll have to do a podcast on that because I'll be, you know, like, I'll be speaking in ones and o's. <laughs> I mean, we could we could do that. Yeah, I know I got frustrated with Granddad. Not, I, I'd, I'd like to think I never got frustrated with Granddad to his face. It would always be on the on the car on the way back with my dad. Like, oh my gosh, Granddad! Like he, and then I, you worry about them, right? Yeah. Like I hate you know one of my biggest frustrations for me is um, how unaffordable public transport, as in trains and stuff, is because. It cost me over £150 to try and get up and visit my nana return. It's a lot of money. Yeah. When you're, you know, I'm I'm currently not working. So it is difficult. But, you know, again, I worry about them and... You know, I try, I tried to have phone calls and, you know, things, things like FaceTime are wonderful. But sometimes, do you know what? We've, we've just resulted to good old fashioned phone calls because my nana's eyesight isn't good enough now to see me on the screen. She much rather. Mum puts her on speakerphone. That's it. It's, it's that simple. Or those little, what they have the, um, the, the electronic frames, picture frames. Oh, they're wonderful. That you can, you can send photos, which are kind of fun for people because then you can upload and update photos and they may ignore them. But I, I gotta say, you know, one of the things that even if you're using technology and somebody doesn't use it, that's okay. Uh, one of the things that I got from my dad, I signed up as a, 
public television sponsor. And so I could get the whole directory of Rick Steves travel CDs for dad one year because he loves to love to travel and he just physically wasn't it wasn't safe for him to get on a plane and go somewhere. You know, I tried to do it at one point and finally we had to cancel because I was worried about mom. And then God forbid they go on a cruise and man overboard and wheelchair overboard, like not, not the way I want to end their life and mine. Right? But so I thought this was a way to do it. He loved watching the show, but he wouldn't touch the CDs. Go figure. It's like, until I came in and said, okay, we're going to sit down every time I'm there. It was email mom and snail mail dad until mom couldn't see and do the email. But dad would always write and, um, and mom, you know. No, I, I, I get that you adapt to the person's needs. And again, there is a human there, you know, underneath all those tech frustrations or other things. Yeah. I'm gonna, can I add just one more thing just really quickly before we go? You know, technology can be used in a variety of different ways. And one of the ways that I use tech is just was simply using a Word document and creating a newsletter, which I referred to as Letters from Camp, which was my life to my dad and my mom every week. And I would take photos on my phone and I'd transfer them into a Word document and say, look, guys, this is what I'm doing. This is what's going on in this week. Isn't life wonderful? And I want to share what was happening from pictures of me at Rockefeller Center to walking into a building. I mean, they didn't need to be fancy. The new flowers that were out in springtime in New York City or, you know, a bluebird that I saw in our backyard up in Connecticut and just mail those down. So it was a combination of creating the document on a computer. So technology, right? Using the phone to take the photos, technology, transferring it in and sending it with a a non-tech stamp in the mail. Yeah, good old fashioned snail <laughs> mail. With post. And they loved it. They absolutely loved it. So there's a way to blend the two and still create a sense of love and warmth and connection when you're not there. Absolutely. It saves your heart and theirs. So uh, tech for tech's sake is is not necessarily important. What it is that you're trying to do is is critical. Absolutely. You know, I've printed, we printed, I mean, you know, we found it when we were cleaning up the house. We'd done a photo book for them. Yeah, right. They probably never looked at it, but they loved, they loved it when they got it. You know, my, my granddad was a very keen photographer. So every time I could show him photos, do you know, he had, he had a digital camera. We had digital cameras, but he always wanted those printed photos. So he always used yeah. to drive my dad somewhat crazy that after each Christmas that they'd been with us, the trip home had to go past, you know, some way to print photos. And it would usually right. be at the, going at the local down, pharmacy, right? <laughs> local pharmacy, like with little, you know, down here, like Max Spielman or something. And, you know, and they always laughed because they could see that it wasn't like they knew we were there once a year. Because Granddad wanted the photos that had been taken for that Christmas. He's like, oh yeah, I'll have one of them. I'll have one of them. Or the photo books that you can order online. So now it's a bound book that he can go through versus getting like sticky peanut butter fingers all over your photos. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Because the original, oh gosh, yeah, no. The number or they times- fade. They fade over yeah. time. Right? They do. And by the way, that's why backups are so important. So Nancy, thank you so much for joining me. Would you like to tell people where where can they where they can check out your content and where they can find you online if they want to uh follow you anywhere if you if you are indeed on any social media? Yeah, no, I am on social media. On uh an Instagram, it's Caremanity, C-A-R-E-M-A-N-I-T-Y, and the number ten 
Why 10? Because it's a perfect 10. <laughs> it's my joke, right? Love it. Actually, I created too many accounts. I couldn't figure out how to get rid of the other ones. But <laughs> so talk about tech. But that's Caremanity. On the podcast, it's Elder Care Success on all the podcasts, or you can just go to eldercaresuccess.live and then go to whichever platform you like to listen to. On Facebook, it's also um, Caremanity. Or you can go to our Facebook group, which is Elder Care Success. And the only request I have there is you answer the three questions that we ask, which is, are you a caregiver? What are you, what are the, the tips that you have for others? And do you agree to be positive in the group and, uh, and not a spammer? And if you agree, great, you're in. If you don't, no soup for you. Yeah. No. <laughs> and then Nancy May, you know, Nancy May on, uh, on Facebook. I'm, I'm there and around too. So you're welcome to join me and I hope to see you on or hear you uh, on the podcast, eldercaresuccess.live. Awesome. Nancy, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Folks, we will roll the outro. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cross Wires. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a note over to podcast at crosswires.net. You can also drop us a comment on the post or if you're a good pod user, why not start a discussion there too? You can also join our new Discord server at crosswires.net forward slash Discord. We've got forum channels for each episode and we'd love you to join the discussion there. You can also follow us on Mastodon at crosswires at mastodon.social. And of course, you can find the show in all the good podcast apps and all the really bad ones too. More of our content, head on over to crosswires.net slash YouTube for all our videos and keep an eye on our Twitch channel at crosswires.net slash live our upcoming streams. If you like what you heard, please do drop a review in your podcast directory of choice. It really does help spread the word about the show. And of course, if you can spare even the smallest amount of financial support, we'd be incredibly grateful. You can support us at ko-fi.com slash crosswires. That is ko-fi.com slash crosswires. Until next time, thanks for listening. Do you want to change the world? So do I. On this podcast, we meet artists whose work is doing just that. Welcome to Art Heals All Wounds. I'm your host, Pam Uzel. Each week, I interview an artist and talk about their work. As creative thinkers, artists present us with some of the most compelling visions of ways that our world could work better for everyone. Art around environmental, social, and racial justice, gender equity, ways to build community and bridge divisions, and solace for grieving. If we can see solutions to the things that prevent us from thriving as individuals and societies, we can imagine implementing those solutions. Once we imagine that, we can become the people we want to be, belonging to communities that nurture everyone, and living in societies based on equity and justice. How do we change the world? One artist at a time.